0: Two, one.
1: From Chicago, this is Around Comics, the Comic Culture Podcast, where we talk about everything in and around the world of comics and comics culture. I'm Christopher Neastman, and this is 2020. Ooh. Happy New Year.
2: Uh happiest of new my, years.
1: I did my yeah. Baba there.
2: Baba Waba. Did you yeah, see legal weed
1: yeah. in Illinois now? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm high right, right now. New Year's to you guys. Yeah. I'm 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 beyond the cheddar curtain where where Tom used to say everything is legal, but apparently it's not. Not everything.
0: No. Not the good stuff.
1: Not, not yeah. everything. Uh, I am joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. Brian Salazar.
0: Hello, everyone. Uh, we're back. It's a new decade. A new yeah. decade, and we're still here. We're still recording. How many decades? We didn't start in the 90s, right? We started Sorry. in the 2000s?
1: <laughs> we are starting our third decade. Are we? Did yes.
2: we
0: start in the 90s? 2006,
1: 2007?
2: Three decades. Jesus. Yes, we, spanning oh. three decades. Ill informed babble.
0: <laughs> Ill-informed <laughs> comic book babble.
2: It always, it always reminds I know me less now than I did when we started. <laughs> <laughs> this,
1: this is true. It reminds me of that, that Simpsons episode where they're talking about Andy Rooney and, uh, and he had the number one grossing uh, film in 1949 and 1950 and uh, Bart says spanning two decades. So, <laughs> like us. And, and uh, of course the man in the middle, Mr. Tom Caters. Tom, how you doing? Well, I'm great.
0: Yeah, twenty
1: twenty great so far.
0: <laughs> Today, today's Today. been phenomenal. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm still wearing pajamas
1: and slippers.
0: I'm essentially I'm wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt and some pajama pants for sure.
2: So, <laughs> so it's uh, I'm wearing so it's like, uh, wait, okay. sweatpants, um, a muscle shirt, <laughs> uh, one of those hats where you put two cans of beer in it. <laughs> well, New yeah. It's just trying a yeah. whole new look for 2020. Yeah. huh? it's This is what this is how I relax at home. <laughs> <laughs> this decade, at least. Is it like is a it Big Johnson muscle shirt? Is that what you got? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's big, a big Big Johnson fishing got, company. It's actually got it's uh like got little miniature versions of every Big Johnson shirt on it. <laughs> so it's sort of like a commemorative, you know,
0: <laughs> celebratory. <laughs> celebratory <laughs> Big Johnson. <laughs> Memorial shirt? Do you yeah. I, do you guys I, remember those? That, that yes, like yeah, three definitely. years that Big Johnson t-shirts were
2: everywhere. I, no, no, you don't remember
0: that, Chris? No, I, I have no idea. Wow, okay.
2: really? I feel like they just ran out of jokes eventually. <laughs> you know, like, ah, I guess I guess it's time to wrap it up. When <laughs> they to, like, did it, Big
0: Johnson Tuna Company <laughs> Tuna Canning.
2: It's like, yeah,
0: we ran out of things. yeah, time it's, to wrap yeah. it up. Move on to something
1: else. <laughs> well, um, speaking of wrapping things up and moving on to something else, we did have a um, uh, a suggested book that we were all uh, tasked with reading, and it was uh, it was Tom Caters' pick uh, on our last episode or two episodes ago. We we snuck in a little Christmas episode there. let yeah. go uh, so back and, and listen to, to Sal and I talk about how racism is bad. Yeah. Uh, but I listened to that. Did you learn? Racism is bad. I didn't know. Do I we have still have it, Tom? I haven't. I haven't listened to it. Do we still have it? Is the magic there?
2: Listening to you guys bicker
1: with each other. <laughs> yes. We still have <laughs> yeah. the chemistry. The chemistry is still there. Sal and I not agreeing on things. <laughs>
2: still there. I, so I, 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 I have a lot I have a lot of Watchmen thoughts, though.
1: I know. I'm looking forward because I, I've... I've I eagerly await that, but but before we get to that, I, I wanna I want to talk with you about the book that you suggested, which was the the collected edition of is it the uh, the nine issues of the Joker, <laughs> yes. the Clown yes. Prince of Crime? Yes. Go.
2: Yes. Well, back when I suggested this was when the Joker movie mm-hmm. came out, and there was there was so much discourse about the Joker. <laughs> And, like, uh, uh, the, what did it mean? Was it, like, was it going to cause violence? Was it, like, the greatest movie of all time? And uh, I think, you know, uh, in hindsight, probably m- maybe too much discussion about it. When it's like, sure, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, But it, it got me thinking a lot about uh, The Joker. And I think at the time when I picked it, I said, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like, Making the Joker Batman's, like, arch nemesis and being so focused on it has actually kind of been a bad thing. And it's sort of, like, limited the characters in a strange way and just, like, endlessly, like, rehashing their, like, relationship again and again and again gets tiresome and just, like, sort of exhausting because... Mm -hmm so is uh, in in a strange way you know like when you compare like these old joker like making a series about the joker is kind of a crazy idea to begin with but also just like how sort of different the modern joker is uh from sort of perhaps like the bronze age joker the bron- yeah the, yeah. the and, and
1: at the time and and you talk about making a series about the Joker being kind of crazy. Had we started to enter the time when DC and Marvel were really kind of competing for shelf space where they were trying to maybe push out push out some titles just to kind of fill the racks a
2: little I bit. I think it was the period of the um the D C explosion where they had like just tons of titles, right? And okay. then they all sort of imploded. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is is they're trying to take shelf space.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, But also just, like, in hindsight, having, you know, like... Think about what the Joker is like now, where he's almost treated like this, like, primordial force of nature who just wants to watch the world burn. And compared to, like, a Joker who had sort of goofy motives and sort of, like, not, like, harmless motives, but was treated a lot differently he was, more sort of a, of like, he was more of a trickster
1: than a, yeah, than a, than a know, little like,
2: mastermind then a like, little, bit of, both, sort of a little like, bit of both yeah instead of sort of like this like almost like this primordial like batman is good and the joker is evil and they're both yeah. like these like natural forces you know like the joker is sort of treated like much more of like a little bit of like a trickster character and the atmosphere around him while menacing and, of course, dangerous is much, like, not... It's more funnier. madcap. It's more yeah. silly there, there, and was, there was still and... some...
1: Yeah, there was still some Cesar Romero there. Yeah, right?
2: there's, like, a silliness to, like, the atmosphere around him. And, yes, he's, like, a villain. But, like, the world around him is more, um, you know of the silver age than it is of sort of like, like jokers torturing people, like in some place, you know, like that darkness that seems to be now like part and parcel of any joker story, you know, where it's like,
1: but what I liked about this series is that, and, and this is a horrible pun, forgive me. Is that, is that the joker really is kind of like a wild card in that, yes, yeah. In that he he is as much a villain to the other villains in the yes. DC in, in in Batman's rogues gallery as he is to Batman. He's he's really, he's just an asshole he's to just, everyone.
2: He's just like a weird, madcap, yeah. sort of like unpredictable, like um, not. It's like it's hard, right? Because he's still a villain, right? And when you think about like what the motives are of the Joker. You know, like it's almost like totally madcap, like all over the place. Yeah, like, it's not that he got for like
1: diamonds and money. I mean, he <laughs> is, but but yeah. he uses that as kind of an excuse to cause chaos. mayhem, and and yeah. he's he's really more interested in in being mischievous almost, Which and is that's why yeah because it's it's more, sort
2: he, of, he,
1: he's more yeah, mischievous he, than malevolent in this version, right? It's like,
2: yeah. The thing is, like in this version, you can see the seeds of what he eventually becomes, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. see where writers start to take that or, you know, writers and artists start to take that seed of him being like mischievous and chaotic and start to put a more modern, grittier lens on it. And it starts to become sort of darker darker than what he is. Well, he just starts Uh,
1: killing more people
2: yeah and it's a, and you well can see no but it's it, it also goes yeah. from like this
0: madcap silliness and mischievous loki type character to a psychosis that's the yeah. diff- it it turns into more of a psychotic um you know something driving him that is chaotic in yes. in himself, not that he's you know he in this series he's just sort of running around like you said chris he's just causing trouble for anyone that gets in his way and he's having funny yeah. laughs about it and it's you know he's not necessarily trying to murder people or or even rob anyone particularly it's just the fun he is having being this you know madcap silly clown and he's as much a clown in a way where like he fucks up all the time too like things don't always go his yep. way and and yep. silly things happen to him while he's like trying to to uh enact some plot uh but but like you said you can see the seeds there where a writer you know, like Alan Moore or Grant Morrison or someone would take and then go darker with it and go, okay, well, what is driving this madness? Now let's look at it from a psychological perspective and and what is the psychosis behind this craziness? And that, of course, is going to kind of, you know, drive you down a much darker
2: path. Yeah, because he's kind of not a person, like a character. Like you don't ever like think about in this version, like where did this Joker come from? Right? They've
1: never, never, ever, and that's part of the mystique is that they've never, ever been clear about that.
2: Yeah. And then once you start giving him, like, he's psychotic, then you kind of. It leads to why is he that way? You know? Right. Then you have to explain it. You start to go down this path
1: that. And then they change it from a bank heist. To like <laughs> poisoning the Gotham water supply. Mm. And so the, the the stakes get, you know, it, yeah. it exponentially larger but as, I think as it gets darker and darker.
0: It's a natural evolution, too. I mean, yeah. w- well, before I go into that part of it, though, there is one of the things I kind of laughed about, one of the, my favorite parts of this series was early on in the first couple of issues of it, you like everyone, every issue started out with him basically breaking out of Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Which was kind of funny. Like it was his home base. Like Arkham Asylum is sort of his lair, and then he goes. He just breaks yeah. out and, and goes and does whatever he's going to do, and he ends up back in Arkham Asylum almost every issue, which was
2: kind of funny. Welcome,
1: welcome to twenty-five years of Batman comics. But yeah. that,
2: that, that's kind of what's cool about it too. Is I think there's a lack of seriousness about it, which is refreshing. Like in a way, like it's hard to. I mean, like, when's the last time the modern Joker has been sort of treated in a silly way? Right. I and mean, there must be something, right? But there's like, uh, there's obviously a joke to that, right? Like he breaks out of Arkham at the start of every one,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he ends up back in there at the end. Yeah, you know, it's, like it's pretty like funny. The, well,
1: that's why play. you know I lo- I love the the issue, uh, particularly with the with the Creeper. Because it was like, oh, this is just going to be an episode or an issue of maniacal laughter. Because that's what both of those characters do. They just laugh maniacally. And that's kind of what it was. Uh, but that was you know, a, a point in time at, at, at DC and in comics in general where you could do something like that and it was just a, a goofy, ridiculous issue of two goofy, ridiculous characters. Yeah. And and I and and then you you know, you have it drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. I know, right? and, it's, it's and, it's, like, and it's and it's all
2: good. <laughs> and also just like of the time too, and the fact that it there doesn't seem to be any sort of master plan to what's gonna oh, happen. Yeah. What are we yeah. gonna do this month? What are we gonna do this you know, like which well, there, there there's
1: is no connected story arc no, through it.
2: It's know. just like, oh shit, we gotta think of another Joker story <laughs> for this. What are we gonna do, right? Which is fun but, in yeah. a way, too, right? Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like, like, well, okay, what are we gonna do now? Like, what let's it, have them-
0: What it reminded me of a bit was, or what I get the sense of reading it is like Sunday uh, newspaper comic strips. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because there, like you said, there's no seriousness to it there's no overarching story there's no you know motivation to any of this stuff but i think that's kind of a problem i mean that was you know what led to the evolution Mm -hmm. of the character and not just him but you know comic books in general went away from this in the bronze age to more serious storytelling or more character-driven storytelling yeah people wanted to know more about these characters and i think uh for me, you know, it was, it, going back and reading this was like it was fun, but I did start to get yeah. a little bored because yeah. there was no. I did, not, I did
1: not read it in one sitting. This You're was, not supposed this to was, read this, nine yeah. of them. No, no. This was this was like <laughs> yeah. a month long. I'm going to yeah. read an issue, you know, before I go to bed, kind of
2: thing. Yeah, it's like oh, another Joker. You know, like <laughs> not, like you should not read all not these even, in one yeah. shot. Like they're. Yeah. They're like one of those things where probably like you see them in your stack of comics and you're like, oh, another issue of the Joker. You know, like these were
1: absolutely what? created for the spinner rack era okay. of comics where you weren't chasing storylines. It was like, oh, I'll read an issue of the Joker and you would pull it off the spinner rack and you didn't have to read the one before and you don't have to read the one after. It was you your, yeah. these, what, probably a quarter at this point.
2: Yeah, but is, yeah, it's just interesting. I right? like to see, um, to see where a character, like, the Joker's so woven into, like, mainstream culture. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm. And, like, it's so prevalent, right? Like, image imagery and, like, what does the Joker mean? You know, like, everyone knows who the Joker is. Like, my dad knows who the Joker is. My neighbor knows who the Joker is, right? Like, it, you, you, everybody knows who it is. It's so woven into the, the fabric. But to think about sort of like the history of that character, you know, in the context of like uh, Bat, the Adam West Batman series, right? That Joker, mm-hmm. you know, in comparison to this Joker, in comparison to Killing Joke Joker, like to think about where that character sort of gone. Yeah.
1: Heath no. Ledger, Jack Nicholson—you yeah, know, right, like, thats they think of. Most people think of the movie versions of, of the Joker, while we kind of think of of different points in time along the comic spectrum. You know, in addition to that, and yeah, this is this is a Bronze Age Joker, which is which is yeah, different.
2: I'm thinking a lot about what my favorite Joker story really is, and I actually think it might be the one in the Adam West Batman, where he becomes a modern artist. Have you guys ever seen that one? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, that's such a great episode of that Batman series. It's, I think I saw it again a couple years ago and I was like, I remember seeing it when I was a kid and I kind of didn't get it. And then as an adult, I was like, Oh, okay. Like I get this. This is funny. Like this is a funny joke.
0: (laughs) Well, it's interesting though, because I mean, if you look at like the history of the Joker too, the, I mean the golden age Joker was, a serial yeah. killer, I mean, it wasn't yeah. mm-hmm. the goofy sort of yeah. TV version, and then you know it was the TV show that kind of changed um, the, you know, well, I guess the Silver Age in this, right yeah. I mean the Silver Age kind of changed them, but well those but went those went hand, in hand hand in hand, yeah
2: yeah but also think about there was times where you would go two years without seeing the Joker right, and comic <laughs> you'd go yeah. three years. Well, it's right? Dark, like, Dark Knight
0: Returns, right? Like, is that the turning point of the Joker? Is that sort of when the Joker became, uh, as you said, this force of nature and the, just know, the dichotomy? I'd yeah, say Killing Joke. Well, that was after, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. That was uh, a couple of years
0: after.
2: I think it's in that time period. Really it's where in that it's time
1: like, period, yeah.
2: Where the Joker stops being like, oh, cool, the Joker is back. Like, you could go a period without seeing him, right? Where... It sort of fell into that, you know, like the classic, like, yeah. Now he is always around.
0: Yeah,
1: and day. I think if you want to, if you want to go like popular zeitgeist, it's 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 Heath Ledger.
0: Well, Jack Nicholson before him, I think. Yeah, uh, but I mean that was that, even,
1: there was even still some madcapness to it. I mean, Ledger turned that character into kind of the the psychotic. You know, mur- mass murderer.
0: Well, I think it was all a build. I mean, you had Dark Knight, you had Death in the Family, you had yeah, the Killing Joke, you had Arkham Asylum, and and then sure. at the same time you have the Batman with you know uh, yeah. Jack Nicholson, and and then yeah, obviously Heath Ledger took it to another level, and now we have even further darker, uh, mm-hmm. more psychotic. I, I, for- I think- forgot. I forgot Death in the Family. That was a dark fucking turn.
2: Yeah, that we've for. <laughs> yeah also think about think about what to me i think probably the jack nicholson joker is a big turning point because that movie was so huge and it sort of cemented the joker is batman's arch nemesis in public
0: in like public perception in mainst-
2: yeah, mainstream yeah like ah yes that's like you know he's Batman's arch nemesis, right? Like
1: you had, you had an actor who was more well known playing the villain than the hero in that movie. Sure, you know, so I think that had a, a profound effect on that on on the perception of of who the Joker was. It's like the Joker was. It, As important, if not maybe a little bit more than the actual main character, than the title character.
2: There was so much marketing around the Joker. I mean, I remember getting like the right around that time they came out with like the greatest Joker stories ever told. You know, like think about Mm -hmm. what villain gets that treatment. You know hey, like, it
1: it there's there, there it there's no um coincidence that this collection <laughs> was released
2: right around the time of the movie, Tom. <laughs> yeah, no. All oh, right, but think about Jack Nicholson, like think about you know, because I remember getting the one the trade of the greatest joker stories ever told right around when the eighty nine Batman came out. And sure. like had stories from like the golden age and the silver, you know, like it was like a weird mix of stuff. But I feel like that the there aren't many villains that would get marketed that way, where it's yeah. Like, you don't see like
1: you know the greatest Lex Luthor stories ever. Yeah,
2: yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's interesting. But mm-hmm. anyway,
0: do you think yeah. it's a bad thing that the Joker has become this, uh, you know, larger than oh, maybe God. even at this point bigger than Batman in in right? Like, the Joker movie, I think, had more buzz and. You know, yeah. Then the last
2: Batman, anything? I, mean, I think I don't know if it's bad. It's hard to say that it's like a necessary. I think
1: it's connected. I think it's connected.
2: Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah,
2: I think in comics a little bit. I think it's a bad because it, now it Batman Batman's so great. tied to the Joker, like that's that is his you know arch nemesis. Yeah, I just feel like you never get away from it, like. You can never like get a break from that. It's, it's,
1: kind of, it's kind of why I like the Batman 66 series that, that DC put out a couple of years ago. It, it's like, you know, put a little... Not fresh air, but you know, retro air back into the property. It's like remember whenever Batman could walk in the sunlight, kind of thing. And it's it's kind of the same with the Joker. It's you know remember when the you know whenever the the flower on his lapel didn't shoot acid, you know kind of <laughs> kind of kind of
2: moment. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I just think it's it might be a little bit of like right, like the effects of the direct market and people know they figured out the Joker sells. So you got to have a Joker story every once in a while mm-hmm. because yes. you know like Joker sells Joker sells comics. So it's like you're never that fascin- far.
1: fascinating um evolution
2: of the character. Yeah. You're never that far from a Joker story, right? Like there's <laughs> one coming. Right? Everybody's like, got a Joker story in them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's part of that too, you know. Well, that's kind
1: of you know I've been I've been reading a lot of Harley comics for some reason uh, this year yeah, Harley's a a popular character and I've been you know DC Black has been releasing the Harley series and kind of the oversized prestige uh, comics and that character. Is so tied to the Joker that if you're gonna if you're gonna read a Harley comic, there's almost an expectation that the Joker is gonna be a part of it. And even the new Harley uh, show on on uh, DC Universe or uh, is that yeah DCU is um, the, the Joker is is a you know, prominent character in that. Where it's just like no, I, I want to read a Harley story. So it's like even that character has trouble. Um you know, disconnecting from you know that that kind of magnetism of the character,
0: well, and it's also interesting, like whenever Joker is inserted into a story, it's like a nuclear bomb, you know what I mean, like you yeah. can't have a Batman story where it's like, okay, we're gonna deal with scarecrow and then all of a sudden the Joker's gonna show up for a couple of you know issues or a couple yeah. of pages because he just takes over, you know, and I mean, then he the force of that character. Uh, it's hard to just like sprinkle him in somewhere. He's you know yeah. he, he's become this. It, like,
1: uh, there, there there's one time that that happened and it actually kind of worked a little bit. If you remember, Hush, they they put Joker in that series and he didn't absolutely take it over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know that that was a that was a walk through the through the the Batman Rogues gallery and Joker right. right. drops in.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was set up that way to to go through all the you know characters. Exactly. And, but that's yeah. what I mean though. But you you're don't right. to see that, that other anymore. than
1: that it's yeah, it's it's throwing a it's throwing a grenade into a room.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's such a powerful character and it's it's interesting that he's, you know, like Batman for all that he maybe has changed throughout his years from 1938 to today, he's not that much different, you know, yeah. especially in the last <laughs> 50 years like he's he went went back to his roots yeah i mean but he's 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 kind of a he's kind of the boring part of uh, of those stories you know it's like the, the joker has become the more interesting character to deal with like nobody very few stories are dealt with like this psychosis or psychoanalysis of batman but now it's like, okay, what what makes the Joker the Joker? What you know? What is? How did we create the Joker? What did we? You know? What made this character this maddening? You know? Force of chaos. Um, that's
1: that's the core of of like ninety percent of the Batman Rogues Gallery, and you look at any other Rogues Gallery in comics that the Batman Rogue Gallery, almost none of them are outside of like Clayface have a superpower. It's like their power is how fucked up they are. Yeah. You know? And, and so, and so to up the ante, to, to make things more, um, perilous, I think it was a natural evolution that some of those characters had to just become more and more malevolent and depraved and, and the Joker is his arch nemesis. So he has to be the most depraved and the most, you know, messed up character. It's
0: kind of why like I never liked Bane as a character because (laughs) he's just this, you know, bulldozer kind of, I mean, there is an kind of an interesting backstory, but it, whenever the two come into contact, that's really nothing to do. You know, he's just this gigantic, you know, steroid pumped thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like, I like the, you know, I don't know. I like the idea of characters like Two-Face and the penguin where you can just sort of insert them into any story and Riddler. Yeah. You know, or even freeze, you know, it's like, sure. uh, But the Joker, it's a little different now. It's he's become this, like I said, force of nature where it's he's like you know, an event. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. it, it, it is. And if you're a writer, you know, and you're coming up with a Batman story, it's like, eh, do you want to go down that road? It's like, do you want to tell the next Joker story? Because if you, you know, like Sal said, if you're going to use the Joker, it is like rolling a, a grenade into a room. So I, I have a feeling a lot of a lot of writers, unless they're writing a Joker story kind of want to steer away. I I shouldn't say writer. I should say creative teams. Um, I'm sure a creative team wants to kind of steer clear of it at this point because so much of it's been done.
0: Well, or or you get like, you know what we saw with Scott Snyder where it was like he kind of, you know, tore the character down and then tried to rebuild it somewhat. But Mm -hmm. I don't know that that really had any kind of, Lasting effect or or if it was yeah. a particularly good story,, um, <laughs>
2: sure. uh, but well, Joker is now bigger than anything that happens in the comics, yeah, it's yeah. Sure. yeah, it's yeah. just like Batman, you know, like you can do whatever you want, yeah, like it won't actually materially affect the actual like they've now become bigger than any like individual story.
0: It's weird. It is weird. I don't know how, you know, like, there's part of me that wishes the character was a bit smaller. But at the same time, I really enjoy a lot of the stuff that is, you know what I mean? Like, I I enjoyed the Joker movie. I thought it was, you know, it was cool. I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. So it's like, okay, I don't know how I, you know, I'm not sure how to feel about what's happened with the character. Because I think a lot of the stuff, I mean, some of the best stories... Whether it's Arkham Asylum or, you know, whatever the Joker stories that have come out, it's like, okay, those are some of my favorite Batman Mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. They should be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: One thing I would like to mention, uh, just from an art side, this is – a fascinating collection. If you want to see how different <laughs> how different inkers will change the or or embellish the art of of a uh, a penciler, because I, is is every issue penciled by um, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez?
2: Uh, that up, I can't I don't, remember.
1: I, I think That's if enough. if not all of them, but you know at least seven of the nine. Yeah, but I think it's all of them. But it's like. Six different inkers.
0: It's the way it used to be, man.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you know. it was it was the not the bullpen that was the the Marvel thing, but kind of that bullpen style. But you had yeah, you had uh, you know Dick Giordano and Ernie mm-hmm. Chen, uh, Vince Coletta. Texas you really get baseball. to see the whole collection of DC inkers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love that Ernie Ernie Chan is or Ernie Chen is. Um, is on an issue of this. He, um, I, I remember him as primarily the the anchor uh, over um, uh, Bushema's uh, layouts for uh, Savage Sword of Conan.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Very different style in these inking over uh, Garcia Lopez. But uh, the art, it's he, Garcia Lopez, one of my favorite all time artists. He's amazing. But to see different inkers work over his stuff. And so you see it's a different look in almost every issue, but knowing it's the same base pencils is really an interesting look at how different inkers uh, affect the look and feel of, of a penciler.
0: I think we need to get back to an era of the Joker where he uses a lot more balloons and giant hammers. Yeah. And yeah. squirt guns. I think that, yes. I think, some way, some way, figure out how to, you know, even if you're going to keep them kind of more psychotic, like uh, still have them use a balloon. Yeah. Why can't you still have them use yeah. a giant balloon. hammer? You know? <laughs> giant shoes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Why does it always just have to be, you know, gas, poisonous Smilex yeah. gas? Can't we get a little oh, more wait, creative gas? people?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Come
1: on. Come on. You're, you're, use you're a giant hammer. You're professionals. Come on. Use it. <laughs> All right, so did did we like the uh the Joker, the clown prince of of crime
0: uh, That's a I don't
2: know if it's the greatest thing of all time. I enjoy it, but
0: it's yeah it was a refreshing change of pace. I will say that I, I like i said i uh you know it is something you got to take a little bit at a time with because it's yeah. just you know it's it's not that captivating. Um, Story wise, but it is fun. And it is just like an, an interesting change of pace for the character that has become so dark and, you know, so uh, elementally evil where you go, oh, wait, there was a time where he just like hit people over the head with hammers and <laughs> flew away with balloons. <laughs> 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 and that was okay, yeah. too. Like that so, was, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah. It was expected. Uh, Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was cool. It was cool. Uh, So I think it's I think it's my pick for the for the next book that we're going to talk about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. So I I hemmed and hawed much about this. Should it be something that I read in the last year that I really liked? Should it be something that I found currently relevant? Should it just be something that I'm excited about reading that I may have just ordered this week? And that's what I decided on. (laughs) Oh. Uh, so I'm going in blind on this one. So I have no preconceived uh, notions nor expectations on this book. It uh, It is a series that debuted in the last year. I have not read a single issue of it, but there is a collected edition that is now available uh, from your, your finer comic uh, shops or on Amazon, if you wish, or any other online retailer. It's called Little Bird.
0: The fight for elders Hope oh, I am familiar with that. I think I read the first couple of issues mm-hmm. actually all right i i have I have heard good things
1: uh but I have yet to um yet to read it so I figured it'd be a good thing for us to uh to go in blind about and then uh and then talk about in the next month or so so that sound cool guys sure yes. all oh, right man. so it's Little Bird, The Fight for Elder's Hope. Volume 1
0: is available on Hoopla.
1: There you go. All right, nice. So you can get it
0: on there. and it's Cool. Yes. Go to your library. All right. All right. Um, can I bring something up I, I wanted to discuss? No. Absolutely
2: not. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Yes, of course. Of course. So is it Jeremy Irons uh, watch
0: <laughs> well, no, we can, we can definitely get to that. This won't take that long, yeah. so we can definitely yeah. get to that. But there's something okay, okay. that I've noticed floating around, uh, mostly on the Twitterverse from comic book creators that I thought was sort of interesting. And I wanted to get your guys' take on it. It's, it's sort of this. So, uh, it started with like the year 2019, but, the, but evidently like the decade of, uh, of, of the tens, um, like the some town. of the some of the highest <laughs> selling books out there of the of the decade are um, comics, but they're yeah, sure. not any you know Marvel or DC comics or even mm-hmm. Image comics or anything like that. There's stuff like um, Smile. Uh, and yeah god gene haw talked
1: about that is just revolutionizing the the comics industry
0: is it though that's my question is because it sold a lot no no i understand <laughs> that it did but here's the thing that interests me is that a lot of comic book people keep like sort of touting it as sort of this proof that kids read comics but yeah. here's the thing those books are mostly being sold in schools through Scholastica, and uh, they're they're being picked up by kids that are choosing them for something to read for mm-hmm. school, as opposed to a regular book. Mm-hmm. And they're not comics, as most of us talk about comics. At least you know the three of us and most of the comic book creators we know. They're not. You know, it's like it, they're they're not what I would necessarily say is a comic, um, but. Like comic book people keep touting it as well. Here's proof: kids read comics. But if if that's the case, like, why aren't they reading anything else? Why aren't kids reading any? You know, like you 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 know you have Marvel and DC, which in the last decade, especially Marvel, has this power. You know, the, one of the most powerful platforms on the planet for these characters. And yet, they can't sell any books that compete with Smile, or uh, what's the other one—the dog uh, um, ca- cartoon thing, I don't know, or, or like Captain Underpants. Like you have billions <laughs> and billions of dollars of of you know marketing material in movies. You know, uh, hundreds of millions of people going to see your your character stories in film and you can't outsell Captain Underpants. Uh, so, but yet, like, the comic book industry is touting it as some sort of proof that kids read comics. And I just think... It's, well,
1: yeah, but that the comic book industry is always trying to do that.
0: I know, but but, but I'm like, I think it's kind of <laughs> bullshit. I think it, I don't think kids read comics. I think kid, kids read these books because they don't want to read... I mean, I can tell you from absolute anecdotal fact... Though that my son will pick up a you know one of these, he's read some of these books that are the top, you know, top selling graphic novels of the decade. Um, but it's because he doesn't want to read a regular book, and these have less words than regular books. Uh, You know what I mean? It's it's just an easier way to read, um, you know, something for school, whether it's Mm Smile by Reina Telgemeier or Dork Diaries, or Dogman mm-hmm. and Cat Kid, or Sisters, or, you know, it's like all these books are being picked up by kids in schools, but, but is it really proof that kids read comics? And if that's the case, then how, how the fuck are you not embarrassed, Marvel and DC, by getting your ass kicked by fucking Dogman and, you know, Captain Underpants? I, th-
2: I think Marvel and DC should be embarrassed. They really should. Well, I mean, they, they always because here's, yes. the, here's the thing, like, uh, from my point of view, like from my son has just started like reading recreationally for his own enjoyment the the machines that sell marvel movies are not built to sell marvel comics to kids absolutely not like there is too like they do not like at least in my experience like the, that all that money and all that stuff they haven't <laughs> they haven't figured out like the thing that these other people have figured out like how to get your books in front of kids in situations where they'll where they'll pick your book. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's what it is. I yeah, mean, because
1: because we understand that Marvel stopped being a comic book company and became a, an intellectual yeah. property company, and we understand that, right?
2: Well, it's also. I mean, it's just it's such a different it's such a different beast, right? Like, yeah. like to me, like the. The stuff that goes into like the, the machine that is the scholastic book fairs, Yeah, oh, is, yeah. is its own like it, it is its own machine. It's its own thing. It's its own like, like, yeah. hell, yeah, you should get your book in there. So,
3: th- there, <laughs> an, an an
1: interesting story, and this this goes back to Windy City Comic Con, where we had a publisher there who will remain nameless through this, that they published a comic that that was the Eisner Award-winning graphic novel of the year, and and I said, hey man, you you got to be thrilled about that, and he's like, uh, yeah, it was really cool, and I'm just like, I mean, that's got to be huge for you, right? And he's like. Uh, after that comic was announced as the Eisner award-winning graphic novel of the year, we sold exactly two copies to, <laughs> to comic shops. And anyway, to me, he's like, but there was another book that we published this year that was on the ALA, the American Library Association, uh, must-buy list. And when that came out, we had 30,000 copies ordered. And I was like, "Oh, okay," and that kind of opened up my eyes to, especially the independent comic book companies in in what they're really interested in. It's like the Eisners. It's it's a nice nod. It's not important to their business. Boy, you get into Scholastic or you get into the the library system. That's where those publishers. Are able to make money. I
2: mean, it yeah, was just to me. It's less. It's less of like a thing about like kids read comics or not because I, I think that gets complicated. Like y- because I think you start getting into like a realm of like I don't think kids think that way. They're not thinking about the way I'm thinking about it right. of like what they're choosing to do. What I do think is embarrassing is like for, for Marvel and DC is man you got to work that system. Like like how do you like you, you got. You should be in there. You should the be top, like competing. The top ten selling graphic
0: novels from 2010 to 2019, zero of them are Marvel, DC, IGN, IDW, no, no, no mainstream comic book publisher. It's all hey. Raina yeah. Telgemeier, Dork Diaries by Rachel Ren Russell, yeah. Dogman by Dave Pilkey. Those three, those three pub- yeah. or, uh, are authors all top ten. It's like, that's fucking embarrassing. Don't tell me kids read comics because they're not reading yeah. your comics. They're reading <laughs> yeah. these books, but they don't think yeah. of them as comics. They think of them as books.
2: So it's like. There's things. They they picked them. Yeah. Out of like a selection of things. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, and kudos to those people who have gotten their, like, those people are working the thing they need to work yeah. to sell their books. Absolutely. Like, like, yeah, well, look that's at, um, a smart thing to do. Our, our
0: old friend of the show, um, uh, Brown. Uh, yeah, Jeffrey. Um, oh, Jeffrey Ryan. Brown. Like, look oh, what Jeff. he did with the Star Wars, uh, those books that yeah. he had oh, done sure. for Star Wars. Like, he, you know, yeah. changed his entire Darth, career.
1: Darth, yeah, Darth Vader and son, and then yeah. Darth Vader and daughter. It's, yeah, yeah you, what, you walk into a Barnes and & Noble, and it's like, oh, I know him. It's,
2: yeah, it's nuts. It's a whole other universe. It's a whole other, like... Yeah. It's a universe it, far, it's, far away. It's, out, it's outside of the direct market weirdness and sort of <laughs> silliness, right? Like the, the, like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but like the small potatoes, like right world of that, where you're like, we sold 50,000 copies this month of the, you know? And it's like, that's like, Day one for smile you know for yeah. like Togemeyer's latest world. book. You're not where the competition is yeah. happening. You're in yeah. this other
1: place. And that's okay. <laughs> I mean that's that's and we've understood that for a long time. That part of that is is, is the charm of the industry that, that we not the industry, but the, the the charm of the hobby that we love is that we know it's 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 an it's a niche hobby. Yeah. And that's Some place. but 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 It's weird. The weirdness is that it's a niche hobby at the source level, but then whenever you look at the larger entertainment landscape, it's like, yeah, The Avengers is a fun comic book that sells 18,000 issues a month, and the movie just made a billion dollars. Well, that's what I just, I still don't
0: understand how there's that, you know what I mean? Like you have, obviously you have books that are, cartoon-based, that are comic book-based, that kids are buying, and you have tons of kids that are seeing all these movies, whether it's Deadpool, whether it's Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, whatever it is, how the fuck can you not figure out a way to get them to buy the books? How can you, you know what I mean, whether, not necessarily the monthly comic books, (laughs) But <laughs>
1: some, some Marta and I were, were driving in the car the other day, and uh, there was something on uh, NPR or something, probably. It was talking about, you know, the largest grossing films of the decade. And, and she looked to me and was like, So are comic sales doing really well? Uh, and I said, You know, I, I really don't follow it that much. But, but basically, what I can tell you is that they're doing okay but not great, and what we saw as the Great White Whale at the beginning of the decade did not turn into, you know, massive, you know, what you would look at from box office receipts did not turn into a massive influx of comic book fans. And she's like, really? And I was like, and also, uh, comics like four bucks now. She's like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. I mean,
2: that's, <laughs> the I was thing like, eh, is, yeah. right, like, <laughs> In the direct market, there's a definition of what a comic book is. It is 22 pages long of story. It's $4, 20 pages or whatever. It's four, pa- $4, right? And everyone else, all these other people that are selling all these things, they're not, they're not living in that world no. where those are the definitions of like mm-hmm. – like they are in their own universe. They're competing in a totally different realm like that is uh, not beholden – to like a very, let's be honest, a rigid system of like what constitutes, you know, like a comic. A, a comic, right? Like, or success, what constitutes success. It's, it's success, publishing. yeah. It's funny. I, I think the
1: video game industry is kind of like that. You know, video game, there are preconceived notions of what they are, whether it's a, a first-person shooter or, you know, open-world RPG or, uh, you know, whatever. You know, the different subsets of, of what video games are now. And they all carry about the same price point, and you you run into that. So, it's. It, it, I mean, there are other different entertainment... Um, yeah. that, that, that follow that, that kind of just because the industry sets a price and then there's, you know, different subset genres in it that so it's, it's not just comics, yeah, but, but, um,
2: think of the lunacy of, so here's the thing when people buy that book smile, when kids buy that book, right? It's just a book amongst all the other books mm-hmm. that, For whatever reason, because they don't want as many words or whatever it is, they pick that book. Like it's competing with something totally different than the direct market, where we're like, you need to go to a comic shop or (laughs) order online, you (laughs) know, (laughs) to like get these things. Like as opposed to like It doesn't look like
0: anything else you're used to. Used to,
2: yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta go into this store, right, that only sells these things. You know, like you can't read it the same
0: way you read a book. You know, that's the other thing. I mean, not you, a full
2: story. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not a
0: full story. You got to come back next month to get yeah, the next, next part month. of the story. It, yeah,
2: of course, I, it's of course it's I, I'm going to get this book that's at my school. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the yeah, other. But, books. but you know, with all of the other books, I like. The, and and <laughs> I
1: think we we, <laughs> kind, we kind of forget how much the trade paperback has changed the way that people read comics, and this is. I mean well, we're probably going on what fifteen twenty years fifteen years fifteen years for trade paperbacks right, as, right as far sure. as like as, as being a standard it's where you would go into quote unquote a comic shop and you would start to see trades on the shelves I mean there were always trades that were coming out but that was uh, it was mostly to screw authors out of out of you know publishing rights uh, but now we look at as something that you go to a library and they're stacked up on the shelves. Um, yeah, I talked to the, the, the folks over at my local comic shop, and one of my biggest issues with them, I'm always tr- wanting to try out new series, and I'll go there and... I'll see volume two, three, four, and five, and I'm like, guy, and I see this over and over and over again. It's see like volume one, guys. It's like, guys, you gotta get volume one. I uh, went up to the the guy at the counter. It's like, there's like six series over there that I would readily try, but you don't have volume one. It's like, where is your inventory <laughs> well, I'm control? I'm
2: sorry, sir, we don't have the number. One.
1: <laughs> no, he he said, oh, okay. Us. You said, I'll tell them that. You know, and it's like, and that's part of the fucking problem is that most of the people that, that own comic book shops are completely fucking oblivious, or the people that they have working for them aren't communicating how to run their fucking business because it's switched over to a trade paperback market yeah. mostly. And it's like well, if you don't have volume one, well, guess what? Volume two, three, four, and five are never I'm gonna
2: concerned. move off your fucking shelves. Well, I gotta tell you. I don't want to talk about trade paperbacks. I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk about Jeremy Irons.
0: Yes, All right, please. let's move on. Yes, thank
1: you, please, for pulling us out yeah. of this goddamn please, rabbit loop. Endless loop. Yes.
2: Endless loop of talking about the insanity of going to a comic book store and buying yeah. comics.
1: Let us make a promise that in 2020 we never talk, talk about this. it again. Next year. Stop. Okay. Thank you. Thank well, you. Uh, Can we just me...
0: stop talking about comic books for the next year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's just talk about uh, uh, TV shows and movies. Yeah. Let's, just uh, uh, shows and
2: movies. Yeah. Let's just talk about Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons for the next year. <laughs> so uh, I, would, I just wanted to say that um, I listened to your guys the last episode. <laughs> I so apologize. I no, it's, it's good. I listened to the last one. I, and I don't disagree with anything Sal said about critiques. Wow. Thank no you. Yeah. All I, right. I think I have a more positive view of it. but I, I, think it <laughs> I,
3: well, I don't think positive. any of
2: those criticisms oh. are wrong. I think they're all accurately valid. Yeah. Accurate criticisms. I but couldn't. Wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. Totally agree. You know, well, it's also
3: subjective.
0: Critics. I mean, those are just yeah. my subjective. Yeah. You know, I wasn't. A- I wasn't giving an objective critique no, of no, it. No. Just simply, this is how I experienced it.
2: Yeah, I and I was. I found them all to be very reasonable. Um, the the thing I would say that I think probably made me feel more positive about it is, and it's funny because I thought about this when you guys mentioned Lindelof uh, referring to it as a remix.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. um, I do feel it's like the club mix of Watchmen. It's like the like simplified the puff version <laughs> for everyone to enjoy on the dance floor, right? As opposed
0: to the, <laughs> yes,
2: yes, yes. That's, that's a it, great way of putting it. it. Yeah, because uh, I.
1: What's speaking of uh, the Trent Reznor uh, soundtrack uh, to this
2: is yeah. kind of fucking amazing. I mean, technically, the way, and I'll get into this about why I liked it so much. I thought it was like as far as like technically making a TV show and how it looked and like how it sounded. And, like, the way they did things was amazing. Yeah. And, and like, maybe one of the, uh, to me, it's hard to think of another comic book-based thing that I think sort of nailed all those elements as far as, like, performance. Like, how things looked. How, like, how it sounded. Like, it really, like, all worked together really well. But I would say the thing that, I think the one theme that I do think that they took from the original Watchmen and the thing is like Alan Moore's Watchmen Alan Moore and David Gibbons right like that thing does like a thousand things right like it does so many different things and does them all awesome and uses comic books in ways that comic books haven't been used and like with the back matter and with the, like, parallel story of the pirates and all that stuff, right? Like, it's, like, this big, dense, like, wonderful thing. And I, I do think that the TV show is, like, like a club remix, where it kind of, like, really simplified it. it. You know, it's not... It is not the original Watchmen. Like, sure. I think oh, God, it no. It did. No, of course not. The one thing it did take from the original one that I appreciated and I thought they did a good job of is is telling a story about... Like, do you, what, what do you think a good guy is? And like, what do you think a bad guy is? Like, to me, like, one of the things that's powerful about the original Watchmen is sort of like the idea of, like, the people you think are heroes are either bad or even worse, do not care about whether any, like, good or bad things happen. Like, to that that's the thing about Dr. Manhattan in the original one, that's kind of frightening, right? It's like he just doesn't care. He's ambivalent like, to humanity. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's yeah. beneath him
1: to he's even. He's gone ins- beyond humanity.
2: Yeah, it's it's it does not matter to him. Like what happens, right? Like only like through some, re- or only by the strange coincidences that convince him it's worth being involved in it. Does it like move him to do anything, right? <laughs> like so that I do think the thing that the series did was still kind of fit to those themes of like, what do you think a good guy is? Like, do you think this person's a good guy? Do you think, and it can be as simple as it can be as transparent and probably simplified as the police chiefs actually a white supremacist, right? (laughs) (laughs) The more complex stuff of like, I do think of like violence, right? Of like good guys using violence. Because one of the things I loved about the show that I always hated about the Zack Snyder movie was Zack Snyder made the violence seem really cool and like shiny, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas violence in the T V show feels very violent and very like Yeah. Like a fight, right? And it's not always like in the you know, in the episode where they go to Nixon Land to go round up all the people, right? In that moment, like are the Excellent. the cops are the good guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I love excellent. It was amazing. Right? Like they violence. <laughs> like the, the way they treat the way he treats violence or the way they treat violence in it. it feels very v- actual violence. You know, like visceral like people fighting. Not just like martial artsy like choreographed. Well it's obviously brutal. It's, br- choreographed. it's brutal. It's brutal. There's like a brutalness to it. Yeah. that it sort of yeah. catches at least when I watch the show catches me off guard from the people that I'm supposed to root for are brutal, like violently brutal, right? Which, you know, puts me back a little bit. Um, And I do think like the show struggles, struggles a little bit with wanting to be about, well, what's the world like after the events of Watchmen, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of what the beginning of it is. And then being like, what happened to the people in Watchmen? And it kind of struggles trying to do both a little bit sometimes you know by the end it's mostly like here's what happens to this character and this character and this is their child and this is their kid whereas the beginning feels more like here this is like what the world after watchmen is like and this is what it's like in tulsa and this is like one place right it almost feels like it could be the start of like an anthology what's this place like after Mm -hmm. watchmen right like yeah Takes place in like a yeah. smaller. What is
1: like in what is life like in Paris after? Yeah, like
2: the, what happened? What, is, uh, uh, what happens after that? So in that sense, I think I I had a more positive view view of it than you did. Though I do think yeah, like the uh, it it sort of sets itself up as it's going to be about white supremacy and racism, and it doesn't really go that deep into that. Like it just sort of plays around on the surface of that. Yeah, and, and- but I do.
0: Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed every single episode. I I couldn't wait for Sunday to come around to watch it. I thought, as you said, technically, the acting, the writing, beautifully shot. It was engaging. Uh, I I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. I watched every single one. I enjoyed every single episode. Um, It was a quality product. It was absolutely one of the best shows on TV. I just think it it missed the mark for me where it could have done, like you said, it could have done so many things and it ended up kind of not doing any of them is, is all Mm. to me. It just sort of, it just sort of let me down because I thought, well, like you said in the beginning, oh, okay, this is going to be 30 years after it's not really that connected to Watchmen. It's what's the world like now? Have we changed? And I thought that was sort of an interesting idea of like, has the world changed in 30 years or or are we the same place we were 30 years ago or even 50 years ago or 100 years ago? That could have been an interesting thing to sort of do the entire season on. Um, and there were so many moments of that, of like, this could have been really interesting, that could have been really interesting. And I just think it ended up being sort of, oh, they went back to those characters and mm-hmm. kind of remixed and yes. and... and To me, Damon Lindelof wanted to fix what he thought were problems with Watchmen is what it it ended up feeling like to me of he wanted to remix it so that he was giving uh, other people (laughs) that maybe did not were not included in Watchmen the first time around. He was fixing that issue. Um you know,
1: and- one of the things about about series <laughs> and the series and 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 it carries over from the comics is that you know we have a fascination with how to make life better right and and the 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 comic and the series both focus pretty heavily on how science or how superpowered individuals can improve our life and make the world better and it it almost always without fail doesn't it causes more problems than 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 it solves uh you look uh the the drug that um uh that agent night uh-huh. Took, you know, it was just like, you know, that was supposed to be this revolutionary um, drug that helped people, what, fight Alzheimer's or, you know, whatever uh-huh. it was. N- nostalgia was the drug, and it ended up, you know, being this horrible pox on society okay. that that she used to 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 build her build her empire, which also ended up being the the tool that she used to try and take over the world and so that's one of the themes that that the comic and the series kind of kept building on is is be careful what you wish for is that is that maybe being all-powerful or or scientific progress may open up uh, a pandora's box that you're not ready to deal with yeah right
2: and it also really gave a chance for Jeremy Irons. That's the most important thing. Boy it was it. serious. Boy it was secret. I I, I, I cannot n- not mention how much I loved his portrayal of uh, of uh, Adrian Bite of just like of playing somebody who obviously has put themselves like by his own. He's sort of like outsmarted himself. And has put himself in this, like, situation. And just see, like... It was originally sort of like, oh, he's playing this guy so goofy. But then you sort of start getting it. It's like, he's been there. And, like... Yeah. <laughs> he is going goofy. He's, he's like bored. He's
0: insanely bored. Insanely
1: bored. He's and insanely he's like, bored. Is exa- he's an insanely bored genius. Yeah. yeah.
0: And
2: he's trying to figure out, like, oh. how he, like, outsmarted himself. And how much I loved... Oh uh, pretty much like all the acting in it was the, really
1: the, the scene of fishing for the like fetal babies was I was just like the, we just lost a lot of people with the show. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that are just
0: like, I'm out. Hey, can I ask you guys a question? Because I still this was one yeah. part that I don't quite get. I didn't quite okay. understand. It was it was one of the early scenes with him where basically he is reenacting. Uh, Doctor Manhattan's origin, mm-hmm. with you know mm-hmm. the actor. Yep. was that just entertainment? Was there any? There didn't seem to be. That was like one of the few things that didn't see seem to any purpose. That's the play. I think it was just his boredom. It's just bored. Yeah. He was just bored. Yeah. and Okay, was, that's the, what I thought. Was, but I'm like, uh, that was the play, right? Was there? Yeah, the yeah. play he put on the, yep. the uh, of of Manhattan's creation. But it was like, I mean,
2: he did get to generate another corpse. To shoot
0: into. Oh, I guess so. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but it seems like an ex- <laughs> ex- extravagant so way to tremendous. go about it. You know? have a tremendous amount star, of time. Thing. Yeah, oh, when you oh, have to spend
0: nothing but but your thoughts, brilliant thoughts, and time, and uh,
2: you know, and and Just servants. the way. Yeah, and, the way and unlimited and bodies. <laughs> <of just laughs> and a like, catapult. <laughs> a catapult, and like the when he dictates the letter to the game warden. And it's so like snide, yeah, and just like it's just like such a great, like entertaining and just like um I just it was so great, I loved it, and my expectations were so ridiculously low that oh I was like, huh, I watched the first episode, and I was like, that was not what I was expecting at all, like it was very like, huh, that is." interesting but also just like all the stuff technically about like design and like how they incorporated the like name in the beginning of each episode and how like the soundtrack is awesome and just fits everything and how like they did such a great job of like making I I, I don't know like really creating a a place like it felt real and it's like uh and all like the details of doing that and like creating that atmosphere. I was like, ah, this is like real, right? Like, so, which is so where they, I feel like a lot of comic book things fall apart. You know, uh, it's yeah. like it doesn't feel like a real place, it doesn't you know? Like, there's a design depth to it that I was. Uh, like,
1: Doom ah. Patrol. Doom Patrol was very good at that.
2: Yes, Doom um, Patrol. The other show that I loved this year, but yeah, like just like yeah. there's a depth to it of like. You're like, ah, oh, this does feel like a real place.
1: It feels it's a pocket universe.
2: That, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, I want
1: to go to that place. Now, now they did do something that, um, that Westworld did, and if you've watched The Witcher recently, The Witcher did, and I think it's starting to feel like one of those tropes that that newer, especially streaming service. Uh, TV shows or episodic um, uh, shows are doing is that giving that little um, head fake of setting up different characters in different places, but then also without, you know, making you immediately aware of it, they're setting them at different times. Oh,
0: so, yeah. Well, well, that's, yeah, yeah. But that's a Watchmen. So, I mean, that was, if you, if, If you listen to Lindelof talk about the creation of it, like that, there's so much, you know, that he drew from the comic in that sense of pacing and like, oh, you can you can tell stories out of time, yeah. You know, and he did that in Lost. Like he talks about that when he did Lost, it was like, oh, he was just stealing a lot of that stuff from Watchmen. Sure. You know, uh, and, and but there's more but it's now but we haven't bleeding seen over
1: and, yeah it's bleeding over into TV more and more especially with these you know kind of you know I, what I'm getting at is is I hope it doesn't become such a recognizable trope that it's not um, it's not surprising or interesting because it was that last episode where you're like, oh shit, all this stuff happening with with Vite was years ago like literally years ago that the entire time in the yeah, like the present, he's been the fucking, you know, bronze statue in the garden th- this entire time. And so, you know, they, they I I love that they did that, but I'm starting to see that as almost a trope in other in other shows now. And I hope that, you know, it's, I hope people think twice before kind of going back to that well, a, don't a do it bit. again,
2: Chris. will cancel you. We'll <laughs> it's, cancel. No, it's, just,
0: it's
1: it's it's interesting, but I, I I think it's becoming a little bit more commonplace to
2: to do that. So that was just an obstacle. And if we had more time, I would talk about how uh, uh, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker is also a, re- a club remix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was fun. I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I liked it. it. Was, I thought it was good. I, yeah, it was it's fine. very J.J. Abrams, which is both a compliment, yeah, and <laughs> a slight criticism. Where it's yeah. like very enjoyable. Before we move on, like from everything, Watchmen though. Could I? I just wanted to
0: say one other thing before we, yes. before we if we're going to talk yeah. about Star Wars, which is perfectly fine. Um, but you were talking about uh, Chris. You were talking about how, um, the themes of like who you know who's in charge, or you know. Uh, whether science or technology or whatever it is, the, you know, is it good? Is it, is, it, is, it is,
1: it, is it good? Is it good for humanity? Is it right. good for society and for I, us to continue to push those bounds?
0: Yeah. And I remember, I don't know what, it, I think it was an interview or something with Alan Moore that he said that I think affected me more than almost anything I, he's ever written or said, which was, mm-hmm. you know, we go through life thinking that there's someone out there that's in charge and the reality mm-hmm. is and the more terrifying thing is is that no one is no one's in charge no one really knows what they're doing but we and that's to me like the central theme of watchmen is that we all want someone to be in charge and we want to believe sure. that there are people mm-hmm. out there that are doing the right thing that are that are smarter than us that are better than us that are that are leading us in the right yeah. direction, but the reality <laughs> is is nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Nobody out there knows what, the, and that's the terrifying thing. And and I've, I'll, ever I'll, I'll I, ever since I read that, way,
1: um, we crave fascism.
0: Well, I, I think it's a natural <laughs> we, thing to look for we, leadership, but yeah, we yeah. believe that there are people that are smarter than us that are out there doing it, and that's yeah. evidently. I mean, that's what makes not true, but well, that, that was that was Dr. The, that those were the Doctor
1: Manhattan phone booths right
0: yeah they're they 're praying yeah. to God, but it 's always it's it 's whether it 's God or whether it 's Elon Musk yeah. or whether it 's President Obama yeah. or whether it 's whoever it is, whether it 's your dad or whether it 's your teacher it's mm-hmm. this this constant looking for some solution in someone right. other than ourselves, which
2: I think is, yeah, but that 's what makes Dr. Manhattan so interesting right It's like, ah, oh, this character, this person has. Unlimited power, and finally someone can do something, and it also makes him not care mm-hmm. about doing anything. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. This is
0: all. Yeah, he just kills a lot of people. That was yeah. another thing. Like, if you look at Manhattan, like the only the only thing with him that you know is like love. He was always affected by love, but they never. Yep. You know, like he falls in love with. Um, uh, Multiple women multiple women, but Yeah. Regina know, King's character. It, it's yeah. never really um delved into why. You know what I mean? Like he never it's like he just he just he has to. It's it's his destiny. It's a interesting thing with Dr. Manhattan is that yeah. he's this puppet. He sees, you know, he said that it's like I'm I'm a puppet like everyone else. I just see the strings. And he's you know it's like he walked into the bar in that yeah. episode, walk a you know, man walks or a God walks into a, a bar, um, and he's in love yeah. with her. He knows that he's gonna f- he falls in love yeah, with her. Yeah, he, because, because he and he already he's has. Experience,
1: he's experienced everything. He already has. Yeah, he's, he's experienced everything at, at once. You know, So, uh,
0: and that's a that's an interesting like. He can't. He's just a puppet like everyone else, even though he is the most powerful being in the universe, as far as we know. Yeah, it's, hmm. it's interesting. But anyway, but that was one of the things. It was just like that, to me, is what Watchmen is about, is that we constantly are looking for someone to tell us what's right and wrong. And we constantly think that there's someone smarter than than us, but the reality is it's not true. There's, there's nobody there's nobody at the helm. There's nobody yeah. like you know at the wheel that knows what they're doing. We're all just floundering around. But it's know. all connected. It, well, that's a whole different theological. All connected. I don't know. wings I don't
2: yeah. know. All of it.
0: Um, Star Wars, though. If you want to, if we wanna I don't know if you guys have time. I'm more than happy yeah. to talk about it if if uh, you guys have time. I have a little bit of time. Sure. All right remix yeah. so jj J. abrams uh, yeah he he <laughs> yeah. Ha- he's like the he's the the remix of of spielberg right like i mean that's kind of what he's yeah. made his career out of like he kind of takes the feeling of spielberg and is able to recreate that but not necessarily you know he he's not spielberg he's not quite uh or
2: it's sort of like, original enough i'm going to i'm going to take all the pieces of star wars and throw them in a bag and I'm gonna like mix it all up, but all you're gonna see all the pieces. Like there's like it's like ah yes I recognize all of these. Like I enjoyed the movie. I, I should also mention I also enjoyed the Last Jedi. I like that movie as well. I think they're both perfectly fine movies. Um, the the thing about J.J. Abrams that it, when he makes something it almost feels. Like it should be binge watched. Like I should have watched all other the other eight episodes before I watched that one. It's like, interesting
0: because like I I've talked to other Star Wars fans and they're like, oh, it would be really great if I never saw a, a different Star Wars movie. If I I had never seen a Star Wars
2: movie and thought that was all original, it would be awesome. Because to me, it's like. Because that movie to me is like, what if we just paid off everything and had everything that you've seen, you know, and like tossed it in at the end? The Emperor's back. Why? I, I mean, like he's back, you know. Like the, it feels like like uh, the last episode of something I've been binge watching. <laughs> Not in a bad way. It's very entertaining. I was entertained by it. There was moments in it that I thought were really cool. I think it. He does a really great job of finding, like, cool moments, making them look cool, and making sure that you feel like, oh, this is a cool moment. You know, like, he's technically great at that. It's just, like, when you step back from it a little bit, and you think about it, you're kind of like, huh, it was all right. You know, like, I don't know. And part of it, too, is as an adult, you know, like... How much can I get emotionally invested in the ninth Star Wars movie I've seen?
0: Well, I think that's what I think he's the perfect guy for the ninth Star Wars movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. because you have so many people you're trying to appease. You have people yeah. that have grown up. You know, I was in the theater in 1978 seeing the first one, and I've seen every single one in the theaters. Yeah. And he has to deal with that i 'm almost fifty, and the expectations of i I want something new, but i don 't want something so new Still that new. it doesn 't seem like it 's Star Wars because mm-hmm. yeah, that sure. wouldn 't make any sense to me. but then you have people that are you know my kids who they don 't really have a huge connection to the original three star Wars films they don 't really even have that much but of a connection what we do. What but we we do. do. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. He has to appease all of those people. He well, has to but appease and, that, that
1: was, and honestly, that was my biggest problem with it. Is like I would much rather have seen the Ray and Poe and and all of the characters in that in that trilogy go off and do their own story. I it's I didn't need to see Harrison Ford. I didn't need to see Carrie Fisher, I didn't need to see the the love letter written to the original trilogy. It's I, I would much rather see a new set of stories and and so that's that was my problem with but the That is a very trilogy, is that it just kept tripping over its
2: own nostalgia? But that is a very JJ Abrams thing, right? Think about like sure, sure, his Star Trek. Right? He makes a whole movie a whole Star Trek movie about, "Hey, listen guys, we don't have to tell old stories anymore. Now anything can happen. Well, but first, but we we're keep going keep to
1: read
3: the old stories. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: yeah. First, well, 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 we're we also there. going to tear this whole story again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but first
2: of all, we're going to do Ralph Con, right? Like there's <laughs> that desire to make something, yeah. Easy, yeah. but it can never yeah. quite yeah. escape. So, right? which is neither um, good nor bad. It's I'm just, just deviate, sort of like I'm what it you know.
1: Second, for a for an old uh, sci-fi series that was much beloved but little remembered by any of us. Uh, I'll say any of us, and there's always someone that remembers. Um, the Netflix remake of Lost in Space. Oh, the I love that. second it. season... Well, I mean, the first season was really good. The second season kept everything I loved about the first season and improved on everything else. Lost in Space is how... I love modern sci-fi stories, even with a nostalgic tie to past property, where they they basically it's in name only. I mean, yeah, it's Swiss Family Robinson. Um, it's funny because Lost, the original Lost in Space, was a legacy story about Swiss Family Robinson, but they put it in space. Um, Lost in Space, the Netflix series, is so
0: so good. It, it, yeah, but nobody gives a shit about Lost in Space the television series. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's 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 a, you're, you're talking about that's a completely different that. thing. It's you're talking about the, one of the largest the, film franchises in the history yeah. of humanity. Oh, and we're going to start another trilogy yeah.
1: which is no sh- sh- what's how they should do it, but they won't because it's so beloved and because there's so Why much Why should involved they? Though? To-
0: Why should they do that? Because it would be better. How do you know that? they try they did that with the last film it wasn't better. It wasn't better. It was wait, not wait, a better wait. film. They, they, fast. they. Uh, R- Ryan Johnson tried to throw away everything that was Star Wars about the Last Jedi, oh, and last made a Jedi. film that was yeah. so you know not now, Star I'll, Wars, I'll, not tied go, uh, to wrote, wrote Star wrote Wars. One. Can I talk for a second before you overtalk? And then, <laughs> uh, and and people didn't like it. Okay. I mean, it wasn't a good movie. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it was it was fine there was but it wasn't well received by you know most people so you're saying that it would be better but there's no there's no yeah, saying that it would, it it would be. It was, I, it was you're saying think. in hindsight that's what you would prefer I,
1: I think that he went directly at the nostalgia and the history of the previous films and tried to to tear it down I, I think that there's a middle ground where you can, where you can reflect on the history of a of property but, without okay. trying but to tear it down. I, I just want
2: to say, that I think part of this thing, though, is, is the idea of what is a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Because to me, my favorite parts of The Last Jedi, I thought were actually much more Star Wars than what we'd seen in 35 years. Like, to me, Yoda trolling Luke and, <laughs> and burning letting him think the book's burned is much more like the Yoda you first see than the weird prequel, like, Yoda, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's all perspective, right? It's all, like, the, there are things in The Last Jedi that I think are very Star Wars. And there's things that are much different. And I think what happened what's happened with this franchise is that everyone's got like their like this is what a Star Wars movie is. Sure. And I think it's it's tricky, right? It's hard. It's hard to do that, right? It's hard to like 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 sell like you said. Like you have a bunch of people in that theater. Yeah. that are like this is what a Star Wars film is, right? In yes. different generations, kinda...
0: different ages of people. Yeah. that's why I say I think Abrams is the right guy to do it because I think he, yes. Is it? Is it? Are Are you ever going to make a Star Wars movie today that is revolutionary like the original Star Wars film is? No. Or even no. For sure not. What no. is Empire? No. There. There's no matter what you do. You're, there's never going to be another Star Wars yeah. movie. That
1: the, the, is the, those. The, the, fo- the focus of cultural zeitgeist isn't that narrow anymore.
2: Well, not there's only that, is. but we need to talk about the Mandalorian in a separate episode. <laughs> We yes. can do that for sure. Next, next month. <laughs> yes. Next next month. About it's next yeah, many about
0: but but I think that I th- I th- there's just no way that you can make a Star Wars film that is not going to either make people feel like, oh, you're totally shitting on everything yeah, that came before it or oh you're just redoing everything that came before it. There's no sure. there's no way to win that. Well, like, I, I you can't you
1: can't make that unicorn. For people yeah
0: I don't think it exists I think. it says Star Wars on it <laughs> that comes with so much baggage you know but what I mean most
2: Star Wars most of the Star Wars movies are not good
0: yeah absolutely they're enjoyable the majority of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, are not I mean, great yeah, movies.
1: everyone has their their notions yeah. of that universe, and 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 we as comic book fans have even been ex, you know exposed to the to the comic book side. The uh, and I'm I'm going to talk about Mandalorian for like thirty seconds.
0: Oh, uh, just can't help himself.
1: There, there's a spoiler at the end that that someone emerges with a dark lightsaber. Uh, I had no idea what that was. And I followed a YouTube rabbit hole that this is all in like star Wars rebels. And so I'm now having to watch the star Wars rebels series to figure out what this fucking dark lightsaber is. Here's the much (laughs) underrated
2: aspect. Here's the thing that I find people don't talk enough about what makes a good star Wars movie is these movies are so dependent on how much you like the actors because okay. you are asking <laughs> you're doing some pretty ridiculous leaps of like storytelling at times and all of these you yeah, know right like there are like right one criticism you could have for the new movie is like it's a lot of like go find this thing and then go find this thing and then go find that thing right <laughs> the only thing <laughs> yeah. and the only part oh, the way that makes that you're fun. to me, Billy D Williams the only <laughs> part that makes that fun is how much you like those people because if you hate those people, you'd be like this is so fucking boring. But that's any AKA, that's that's any cool. yeah, but, adventure. I mean that's
0: any yeah, exactly. big movie at all. It's it's are, do I care about these characters? Do I give yeah, a shit about them? Stars. What are they going to do next? That's uh, that's any movie about Star
2: Wars. like they're special gems that oh, right. like the stories are like carved like artisan like story making where it's like no, they're just fucking adventure stories. Like, do you like Adam Driver? Then you oh. will like his portrayal of the <laughs> character, right? Like or but for like do you like Oscar Isaacs? Like that how much you like those people, like most adventure movies, carries a lot of weight. Like Do you do you like Rose Tico? Do you like <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, Yeah. I mean Star yeah. Wars isn't special, right? Like it's not like the, how much you like the characters is a huge portion of it. You know, why do people not like the prequel? Oh, but it is
0: special that we liked those characters so very much. I mean, it is special in yeah. the sense that we loved these ca- We loved characters that maybe have helmets on or have our robots or our big furry yeah. monsters. We love Chewie and Yoda as much as we love Harrison Ford. And, yes, and but. you know what I mean? I think. And we love, we love and Luke Skywalker more than we like Mark Hamill, if
2: yes. that makes sense. But also, I'm just saying that when people talk about Star Wars movies, they Wikipedia the shit out of them and make <laughs> them a that make them about what is the plot. What is like – Oh, right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah or like – Who cares? The weaknesses and strengths of this movie are determined by the plot, which yeah. is like silly. That's never been true for Star Wars. Like, yeah. the, I mean, that was I think, think
0: you could you'd say the same thing of like most Humphrey Bogart movies like, yeah. the, you know, it's like bad. the Maltese Falcon, the plot of the Maltese Falcon is a disaster. But you just like seeing him run around beating up guys and in, in you know, a fedora. A
2: You're like, this sucks.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: what happens in it? You know, like, yeah, it, it doesn't even make sense. No worries. It's like everything else. Yeah. Right? It's like a big adventure movie. That's Yeah. Oh, but I, I feel you. like people spend a lot of time trying to analyze the story. Like the story is where the secret of whether it's a good Star Wars movie is. Like where it's kind of like, I don't know. Are there any of these good stories?
0: Do I, Maybe. Like, yeah. Do I One or like the two characters? Of them? Do I like yeah. seeing them shoot lasers and yeah. You'll get that.
2: You'll yeah. get to see. Pl- <laughs> and that's the all I need. And mm-hmm.
0: that's yeah. That's all <laughs> I need. I didn't need. I don't need much more than that. It's not that complicated. Like, I don't need. It's not complicated.
1: It's not. It's where, and here's the thing. As, like, a 8 or 10-year-old, Star Wars kind of changed our lives and helped set our moral compass or our, our cultural compass. There's kind of no movie or TV show at this point that is going to change the course of my life. Anymore, so I'm looking for entertainment value. Right? Sounds like
0: challenge, Chris. <laughs> it
3: <laughs> depends
1: that somebody make a movie. Chal- you're saying I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> Baby Yoda
0: didn't change the course of your
2: <laughs> life because it did not.
1: Sure. Ch- it did not change the course of my life. But I, I just want next time to talk cute.
2: about how genius Baby Yoda is. Oh yeah. Just like <laughs> it even it's the got- most perfect <laughs> Star Wars thing. It's yeah. the most perfect Star Wars thing. <laughs> I just I
1: love Carl Weathers going.
2: Do
1: do the hand thing. <laughs> do the hand thing. Yeah. Just, just do, yeah. Come on, come on.
2: Do the hand thing. The thing. It's like you right. know,
1: you're basically talking to
2: a one year old. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we can talk. Well, let's not talk about the Mandalorian because I could no. go on on about.
1: Yeah, we talk about suck. that. All right. So so shall this uh, shall this conclude the uh, the first episode yes. of uh, the 2020 edition of Around Comics. 2020 yes. campaign. 2020 campaign to greatness. Mm. Word. Victory, victory, okay. campaign to victory. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's. A, I think we covered a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Joker. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's great to have everyone back in the room. Uh, yeah. So we've got uh, we got oh, probably in the next two, three, four weeks we will come back talk about Little Bird and some Mandalorian
0: and we can come back. soon. I'm, you know, I don't know what you guys. A couple weeks. Couple weeks, if you want to try in a couple sure, of weeks, it, I wouldn't mind it, it, every it, other week trying if we can. If we can't, we can. It,
1: it, so. is, yeah. it is big bond spieling season for me, and I will tell you, maybe next time we can record live from the Chicago Curling Club because I'm going to be there for the men's bond spiel. No, so there we coming go. Back, back home, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so, bond spiels usually end on Sundays. I don't know so how, how will, we,
0: we, will we be able to get past the throngs of crowds waiting to watch.
1: A or? lot of drunk people. <laughs> A lot
2: of drunk,
1: <laughs> a lot of drunk. a lot of drunk people. So, but I'm pairing well this year. For everyone who's not interested, it's been a good year so far. Um, so, throwing a good rock. Got a little problem with my outturn, turn. I'm gonna fix it. Uh, so, God help me. <laughs> All
2: right, guys, I gotta go. All right, a right, Uh
1: uh Love you, Tom. Happy New Year. Uh, love to the kids and the wife. Bye, uh, Sal. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Everyone out there, have a safe and wonderful beginning to your 2020. We will
0: back. We will be back. In the meantime, in between time, be everywhere in and around We're- comics. Yeah. And the Witcher, the Witcher sucked. Uh, you you know it's. It.
1: It, it was. Um, it was, uh, it
0: was. It
1: was a thing. It was a thing. It was a thing. Detestable. It was, um, it was a thing. <laughs> it was-